I'm Ryan Durbin from RD Ceramics, and I'm located in Southgate, Kentucky. And I'm Becca Otis from Five Lines Pottery in Monroe, Washington. And welcome to Wheel Talk. All right, so we're getting started here. We're live. Um, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, this episode is going to be the first in a series of episodes that we're going to do about ways to sell your work. Um, this format we're going to do with Becca and I. In the future, we may change this up and kind of each do our own thing based on, you know, the ways that we sell our work a lot. You know, Becca has a lot to talk about for wholesale because she has a lot of orders in the future. And, I mean, not, uh, not a lot. <laughs> not but a she ton. has more experience in wholesale <laughs> than than I do, for sure. Um, and then we'll do other topics of ways you can sell your work. So this episode, we're going to be talking about how you can sell your work through art shows because that's honestly the majority of my sales in the way that I like to sell my pots. Um, Becca does her art shows throughout the summer. I don't know if she would consider that the majority of the way she does her sales. Probably yeah, since she is- started, it's probably been the majority, but... It's the funnest, the funnest way that I do my sales, I think. <laughs> that has That's to funny. count for something. See, I wouldn't have thought you would have answered that. I would have thought you would not have enjoyed the selling in person as much from what you talked about. No, I don't enjoy the selling in person. I just like getting away from my studio. <laughs> I oh, just okay. like leaving. I just like leaving. <laughs> And like having a weekend <laughs> to myself. Okay. Gotcha. To yourself with a bunch of other people coming to talk with to you and see people. you in person that yeah. don't know you. But I, but honestly, I mean, it can be it can be fun because you have just these low like low effort conversations with people that are just kind of you know it's a short term thing. They're not taking a ton of attention away from the thing that you're doing in the studio and kind of feels distracting or whatnot so yeah i have a really good story actually about the pros of selling at a show that happened to me this week like today um so i'll tell that later but yeah we should we're, okay. we have ryan with his lovely list making um quality yes has i got ahead of the game here so he's always ahead of the game don't let him fool you um ryan made a pros and cons list <laughs> and uh yeah so we're gonna kind of go through it and then talk about it and see yeah and just right so so this is kind of just from our perspective as well so there could be things that we call pros that you might see as a con because you're a total introvert and you hate people um i, I mean Becca. <laughs> so <laughs> so this is the kind of format that we're gonna try and do for these because um it's kind of an easier way to digest it, and it's not so back and forth throughout the pros and cons. So um, I guess we can just start with some of the pros. I mean, for me, yeah. the best pro is that you get the one-on-one feedback from customers, and you get immediate insight from them. Um, and that could be direct comments about your work, whether it's like, oh, I really love your color scheme you've got going on, or I really love this form or this um glaze you know that or like what's actually selling or you know what they talk about like what they plan to use this thing for or what they're looking for and your certain piece of work resonated for them to meet this need they had um stuff like that is kind of what i really enjoy the most i think 
Definitely. When I was, uh, when I was learning, my teacher was like, well, I don't like this. You know, he'd be like, I don't personally like this, but you have to see what your customers say. And the best way to do it is to do it at a show because especially if you kind of take, well, I take kind of a backwards, a, a back, a backseat approach to selling, which Ryan takes like the front of the booth approach. Um, cause he's good at talking to people and I'm good at talking to people too, but I just don't like to. And, um, the, so I kind of like, I love to listen to the customers when they're talking to their friends. I have a 10 by 20 booth, so I have a little bit more space to do that. If I was in a 10 by 10, I wouldn't have that space. But, you know, a lot of the reason why my handle is flat in the way it is is because over the years I've heard people say, oh, well, I like this. Now I'm starting to make my handles a little bit bigger because I've noticed that people are like, I like to put my entire hand in the handle. Um, you know, I make my... I make my wine glasses a certain way because over the years, certain things have come up and that's been very specific. And so it's it's been huge in in making my pieces the way they are now, which are highly engineered pieces. If if I want, like, you know, I want them to be highly engineered at least. Yeah, and a lot of, like, art and stuff that you make is very tangible. So you have you're going to get the best sense as a customer when you can see it in person and you can feel it and say like, Oh, this is really heavy or this fits my hand. Well, if we're talking about a mug and they really appreciate the, the being able to like pick it up, look at it, flip it upside down, turn it, like picture themselves using it. And that's honestly one of the better selling points as well to make the sale is that they get to physically touch it. Totally. Um, I also think that it creates a longer, I don't know if this was in your pros list, but it creates, uh, shows create long lasting customers because not only if you go to the same show every single year, like let's say, you know, you go to Ryan goes to the art in the park in, is it in Kentucky or something like that? That well, it's you're in Bellevue, in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yep. In Bellevue, Kentucky. He goes to the art in the park every year at Bellevue, Kentucky. And I'll bet you, you already have people that are coming back. And they're like, oh, I bought stuff from you last year, and now I'm here again. And, you know, if you remember right. them, that's even a super pro. But they, you create these people that you almost have this tiny little relationship with, and they will buy from you for years and years and years. And that's something that I really enjoy. I have people that come into my booth that have been coming into my booth every single year on the wine walk with their four friends. And they get things from me, you know, every single year I see them. And exactly. it's just kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that ties into that is that, you know, you are your best representation of your work. So you can talk about the process. You can talk about um, the decisions of why you did something or, you know, the story behind it. People love stories. So if you can tell stories about your work or how you discovered this thing, like I, I make yarn bowls. I don't, I've not knit. Well, I have knit in the past for a project in school at one point, but oh. the yarn bowl <laughs> story, people see that and they are like, Oh, that's a great idea. Where did you come up with that? Cause they, they don't know if I knit or not. If I was a female, I'd probably more, it'd probably be more intuitive that I knit and that's why I make them. But, um, 
so it, it's a story. It's a moment for me to tell a story that my mother-in-law asked for one of these like three years ago. And I made one because she saw it online and she asked me if I could do that. And then I did. And then her friends wanted some. So I made a bunch more. And then I started selling them at shows and people liked them. And then I reached out to some local yarn stores or yarn shops to sell them. And I sell them in two yarn shops now. So that kind of gives right. you a story behind like where the inception of that idea came from. It's not, it's not, um, you don't get that if you just see a piece at a shop. Yeah. Or online, you don't get that, that backstory. Also, along that line, um, I also find that it's really, really wonderful to... One of my biggest pet peeves, especially within the pottery community, is when something looks super amazing on camera, and then you get it in the mail, and it, it does not look the way that it looked when you got it. Like when you when you saw it yeah. online, so it's a like, little deceiving. There's parts that you get out, you miss out because you can't physically pick it up. You don't know that it's heavy in right. a photo. Or yeah, or the colors aren't like as vibrant because they adjusted the it. That would you know, or these like little tiny scratches on the bottom that would totally kind of mess you up or uh, mentally, you know. Like I'm a very persnickety right. sort of person, and if I'm gonna pay fifty dollars for a mug. I don't need it to be perfect, but I definitely want it to be well-crafted. And uh, I mm -hmm. would hope that when people come into my booth, they can see that. And, you know, I don't want somebody to buy something online and be disappointed because they thought it was something else. That's why I prefer not to sell online, personally, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. Especially with the mug. People love their handle to fit their hand perfectly, and if you get it online, you can't, you know, like, the the ounces and the size by the dimensions, but that's not really the best gauge in relation to your hand. Like, you need to physically yeah. feel it to know how it fits. Um, so that's a good point. Um, another pro that I had on here was opportunities for other ways to, you know, make connections with either other shows that people are hosting or, um, you know, shop or gallery owners that are kind of walking these shows looking for pots or um, something that you make that catches their eye that they're like, I would like that in my shop or I'm looking for a wholesale orders or something like that and I really love this thing. So I think the opportunities to get in front of people that are coming to these shows looking for stuff like that, you know, the the number of people that you get in front of and the number of opportunities that come about from that are just going to increase if you're out in front of a lot of people at these kind of shows. You know, yeah, it's not just customers best... coming to buy one-off things for their home. Yeah, some of my best wholesale customers are from them walking shows. Some of my yeah. most consistent ones. Right. And I've even got like you know, I had a crappy show earlier this year in like February and I've told this story in the past. I get, I maybe, you know, I pay like 75 bucks for the booth. I ended up selling about 250 bucks worth. So it wasn't like an amazing show or anything. It was just kind of like a man. And, uh, I got a custom order from it for like five or six of these chip and dip bowls that I, you know, and she was willing to pay $75 a piece for him. So like I got a whole bunch of business from that one show that she saw me at when it turned out to be a crappy day sales wise, but the potential for that long-term customer that like wanted something, you know, for a few hundred dollars, you know, over time is, is worth the show to me. 
So you don't get those some of those opportunities if you're not in front of people constantly at these kind of shows. Totally. I've gotten I oh my gosh, there was one show that I paid like 500 bucks for. Um in Seattle it's hard to find shows less than like $300. But um I paid 500 bucks and there was a wholesale show at the end, which there are those these types of shows where they're specifically for wholesale people to come in and then buy wholesale from you. And I got one customer from that. And they're pretty steady. They order like twice a year, $450 each time. And they're very, you know, they're very consistent. And, you know, I've probably made $2,000 just from that customer over the years from that one show that I thought that I did terribly at. But exactly. Yeah. That's always a great feeling when you, when you get those opportunities. I mean, you're also going to get the questions that shows about custom orders that maybe you're turned off from as well. I mean, you kind of get the, both of those in there. So, um, but I mean, the more opportunities and things that you get at, in person with other people, I mean, the more chance you have for a good one. I mean, for every bad one, you could have, you know, or for every good one, you could have like five or six bad ones. But I mean, you got to kind of get those numbers up so that you have those interactions in order to get to the good ones, you know? Oh, can I tell my story about my fun interaction? This ties in real good. Yes. Okay, so this last weekend, I sold a cup out of my second... Uh, section. I have a huge booth and in one of the bottom shelves there's my seconds spot and there's not very many cups in there but you know they're the ones that I find after I pull them out of the kiln and take them up there and don't realize that they've got some errors in them and so I put a wine glass in there and it just had some glaze defects and I didn't want to refire it and so this lady bought it on Saturday or Sunday, and then on Tuesday, she messages me on Instagram. I had forgotten to give her a card because I'm that person. And I, she, like, found me through the grapevine. She searched Leavenworth Pottery. And <laughs> she was like, I love that wine glass so much. Are you going to be there Sunday? I want to buy a bunch. And I was like, I won't be there Sunday. But I can get some to you. And... So what we ended up doing was my friend went to my van and ransacked my van and got eight wine glasses out. And she's taking them to the show on Saturday and dropping them off with the lady. And then um, I'm em- I'm invoicing the lady. And she's just going to pick them up on her way through. And she wow. wanted eight. Uh, that mu- that wine glass was half off of 17 so it was eight fifty. And that's I think she probably bought something else too, but... 850 and then she liked it so much that she just bought $120 worth of wine glasses. Wow. I so know. she bought it she bought it because of the shape and the way it felt in her hand and stuff. Not not so much like the glaze she really loved mm-hmm. even though it had defects. Exactly. Wow. So that's another, nice. you know, that's some that's those weird things that can happen at shows that are really yeah. cool. That's why you should hand out your business card. P.S. Don't give them too much. Don't give them too much work to find you because they're <laughs> most people would give up. I know. But she, she was persistent. I usually put my business card in there, but I guess I forgot. 
All right, maybe this ties into branding. This is the best at shows. You have the best way of branding yourself because you get the choice 100% to decide Thanks, how you Ryan. want to brand your booth, how you want your shelves to be set up, how you want your signage, what your business cards look like, all that kind of thing. Um, you know, what your bagging and all that looks like. That's all part of your brand and you get to decide all that at a show because at shows you normally just get a 10 by 10 space that you're renting for the day or two days or whatever and you get to put every single thing in there and do whatever you want with it. Yeah, it's a good way to build your brand too, to see what people respond to and to see, you know, how people react. Like if I hand them my business card and they're like, this is really cool, then I know that I'm doing something right because it's a split-second reaction, you know? And, um, but yeah, uh, it's, I think it's also a really good way to, for shows, you always have, like, downtimes, you know, when people aren't there, and I find that to be a really good way to, like, think about your brand or think about your business card or whatever and redesign something new while you're there because then you're thinking about it right then. It's not like you go home and you have to think about all these billion other things. You were literally stuck in that position. Right. You can't do anything else, so you might as well do it. That's where I do a ton of my designing. Really? Yeah, yeah I'm, a lot of I'm someone that I'm someone that stands up the whole time and tries to not look down so that I can make eye contact with people when they come in and all that stuff so I don't feel like I'm neglecting them and all that kind of thing. You go to shows that people actually come into your booth all the time now. My <laughs> shows have, like, literally, literally we have shows that sometimes there's, like, two hours where somebody doesn't buy something. And so you just, like, wow. walk around. Sometimes we walk down down to the river and jump in the river if it's too hot. Like... <laughs> You know, we just tell the so person. So Becca's experience with shows may not be your typical experience at shows. You can't just leave your booth and go get a dip in the pool. Typically, I never said I was. I never said I was normal. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I do have a very different experience with shows because my show is extremely unique. Um, right. So that's why we're listening to Ryan. Yeah. One thing you mentioned about business cards. One thing that I always get here, I don't know if it's just my area or whatnot, but people always ask, are you local? Where are you from? So like in my first business card, I didn't put Southgate Kentucky on my business card. I just put my name and my like phone number and email and then they grew over time and I started putting my name and the city that I'm from and um, all that stuff. My social media information, like all that stuff got added after. Because you do all this totally. work and then people ask you those questions. So you're like, okay, maybe I build my location ba based on my um, – into my brand or into my booth signage or something like that. Because people at the shows that I go to, they always ask that. They're always like, where are you yeah. from? Where are you, where are you located? And uh, that's just a thing. I don't know if it's because they want to support local people. They like if I said Ohio or Kentucky, they're go they're like okay, good. But if I said like Michigan, they would be like, oh well, he's not local, so maybe I'm less likely to support somebody because they're not local. I don't know. I also, it, but I also always ask where they're from. Um, you know. See, I don't do that. 
I okay. I, I have just a ritual. They're all local, but maybe I have a ritual when I'm packing up stuff because I have to send people off to a central cashier. So I I'm always going. So you you know you're going to the central cashier, blah 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 blah, and then I go while I'm wrapping. I so so where are you guys from? And that way I can get a feel of who they are and where they're from. And if they're from Monroe, I'm like, oh hey. Like, you know, I have a shop in Monroe. And, or if they're from... Oh, some, that's you know, great. I can... Because I have a storefront, so I really want people to come to my storefront, right? So um, if I can find out where they're from, I can connect to them in some sort of a way and then talk to them. And it's also a little bit more memorable, you know? Um, the They ask where I'm from all the time. That's true. I have Monroe on my business card, but... For sure, I always, always, always ask where they're from. That's a good point. I should probably do that, and that could help yeah. with um, if you have if you have your work in other shops or something. If they say they're Absolutely. from this area, and you say, "Oh, well, if you're looking for my work more often, have you checked out Indigenous Gallery in East Walnut Hills in Cincinnati? Exactly. Like maybe they live in that area, and you could say, "Hey, they have a lot of really good artists there, besides just my stuff." And then you're kind of talking up the other makers as well as um you know a place that they could find your stuff on a regular basis so totally i'm gonna start doing that you should do it as a ritual right while you're wrapping i find that that's the best rachel normally wraps everything for me well fine we can do that fine (laughs) (laughs) i can still do it though yeah. Yeah. Rachel is Ryan's wife and she's very gracious to go to all the shows with him. Yes. Um let's see. Let's let's get one more in here for the pros and then we'll um we didn't talk about money yet, but I mean, at shows you handle all the profits. You get all the profits from the shows. So Except there's for no 2. middle 7%. person. Yeah, except for any credit card transaction fees or whatever that you have. And, you know, taxes, of course, but you're not paying someone a percentage of your sales because, so you know, they, they, they're selling it for you or whatnot. Or, you know, like if you're selling online, Etsy will take a percentage of it and stuff like that. So, uh, you handle all the money and you get all the profits from that. Um, and yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our pros. We could probably go to the cons here while we're talking about money. The flip side of that is you have to handle all the money, <laughs> whether yeah. it's um, actually the point of sale part where you have to, you know, have a bunch of cash on hand with a money box and keep it secure and all that. And, um, you know, having a square or PayPal or whatever, those credit card readers to handle the credit card transactions, you got to have all that set up and keep track of transactions that way. Um, and then the bookkeeping that goes with all of that kind of thing. Yeah, I've, I'm going to interject too because, um, okay, I just want to say a few things about PayPal and all of the different credit card readers that you have. Uh, if you are in a state that you pay sales taxes per county and you're going from place to place to place, I highly recommend Square. Uh, the... I found with PayPal, it was really hard to figure out where my taxes were going, like what taxes at what, what place, especially if you're going to different shows, you're moving around. So you're going to have a different tax code for every single show that you're going to. Uh, if you don't know anything about taxes, we're going to have a podcast soon about that. 
I'm not a professional by any means, but I can tell you who to talk to. <laughs> and just so, just so you all know, a lot of people love PayPal. I think it's horrid, but I really like Square's interface and I like the way they do their, you know, reports and their bookkeeping. And it also hooks directly into QuickBooks Online without any issues if you set it up correctly. So that's also one thing about when you're handling the money and th that's really important. Yeah, I'm not familiar with those. I use Square personally as well. I like it for the analytics and the transactions and reporting that Becca said, uh, interface and all that good stuff. Um, I know on Square you choose, you can have multiple tax, like sales tax locations. So you just flip switches for on and off. So if I'm in Kentucky, I'll just flip on the on switch for 6% sales tax and it does it for every, tra every transaction there on out until I flip it to something else or turn it off or whatever. Um, and then I can do the same for like Cincinnati or Ohio. Right. Um, cause you don't want to like stack up the sales tax of 6% and 7% or whatever for, um, both areas. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the PayPal interface. Is it something like that, but you only have one number you can adjust and you have to like change it every time if you have You're different gone. sales tax. Say that again. So on PayPal, I'm not familiar with that interface. Do you have something similar where you get one ta uh, sales tax percentage number and then you have to change it? You can't like save them based on the location and stuff like that and toggle them? I believe, I believe so. That's how it used to be at least. I could be wrong, but from when I was doing PayPal, you couldn't – the, the, the problem with it was you could save the taxes, but it never gave you a report at the end of the quarter of where those taxes were. Oh, and so you couldn't separate okay. it out. So ideally you want to report at the end of the quarter saying, Hey, in Kentucky, I spent this much money in, since, you know, in uh, Tennessee, I spent this much money in right. Colorado. I spent this much money. So, or whatever counties you're in, and if they don't, then you're going to have to be working a lot harder to try and find your sales taxes. Like, I QuickBooks does it for me, and I just did my taxes in less than five minutes while I was talking to my bookkeeper today. So, nice. it can be extremely easy, but sometimes it makes it really hard. Also, switching topics, Ryan, have you ever showed up to a show... And you forgot to get change. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think I was going to say yes? I mean, no. <laughs> do you know me? Do you I even just, know me, Becca? Just, What's up with this? I just wanted to see your reaction. <laughs> How many times do you think I've showed up at this show? <laughs> forgot to take money. <laughs> I mean, probably more than one hand. I don't know. Yeah, no, I've I've definitely scavenged. <laughs> the worst shows are the ones on Sundays when no banks are open. Then you have to go to oh, Safeway gosh. and get change at the Safeway. I've also gone to a show and forgotten all of my bags. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I had to go to Albertsons and pay him like $2 for a stack of plastic bags. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, she's just going to go to a grocery store and just steal a bunch of plastic bags. Uh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> yep. 
I haven't forgot Make those. Sure I mean, I forgot bags. to restock them sometimes. And, um, yeah, if, if I forget to restock, I might be low, but I usually just deal with it. Um, but yeah, I have, well, all my money just stays in a cash box. I have one cash box that I use for all my shows. I've got all the bills in there. I got all the change in there and, um, you know, my square stays in there, square reader and all that stuff. So I, I don't usually have to, you know, turn over any of that. I don't, do you take cash out of your drawer at the store and that's becomes your change box or do you have a separate one for the shows? I haven't done a I haven't done a show where I had to take money for a long time. Uh, but like I said before, my show is a central cashier, That's so right. we don't actually deal with any of the money. But when I did do shows, I actually prefer a cash bag. Uh, it's a you know yeah. just a a zippered bag, and I prefer that because that way I can I can take it with me because you you know Rachel always goes to your shows with you. So there's usually right. probably always somebody at the booth. I don't always have somebody at my booth. And sometimes you have to take like a bathroom break or go right. get some water or whatever or food. And so I like to be able to stuff it in my sweatshirt and walk out because I'd rather right. than steal a mug than exactly. steal the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, mine's a little bulkier, so it's not as easy to do that. Yeah, I and the fanny packs are now in, so you can just have a fanny pack and wear that now. They call them something else now. I don't know, utility belts or who even knows. I also like wearing aprons, and then I'll just fold up money and stick them in the pockets, and not even use the bags. Sometimes I'm not very organized. If you haven't gotten that hint from me and Ryan talking, (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little bit more free form. So, yeah. Okay, let's talk about another... Hey, whatever whatever works. Yeah, so another con is that the physical loading and unloading of your vehicle and the physical labor that it has on you. We deal with pottery, so it's clearly not light. It's always going to have some sort of a weight. It's always going to take a lot of effort to set up your booth and tear down your booth so you really have yeah, to keep that and in you're mind. often the f- first people there or the last people packed up at the at the end of the day because you have individual pieces you have to be sure that they're not going to break so yeah it's not uncommon to be some of the last folks there at the end of the day and you improve that over time like you decide oh i've got this humongous bin that fits so many pots. And then once you get everything in there, you're like, oh crap, I can't even pick this thing up. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do you and, use you know, for... if I put it on a... You use totes, right? So, yeah, I use uh, plastic totes. And they've changed over time a little bit. I mean, I used to use the cardboard boxes, like the first show I had. That gets old super quickly. Cardboard boxes and newspaper wrapping each piece. Because you don't even know what you're looking at when you get a box out. I mean, you get it kind of organized, but... Um, that gets old quickly. Then you get the, I get the, I have the plastic totes, um, which are just those Rubbermaid totes that you would like store whatever in. Um, you know, some people get the heavy duty ones because they want to make sure that they're super secure and stuff. Those take up too much room for me. So I don't get the super heavy duty ones. Um, the yellow and, then and black slowly ones. slowly started. Yeah. Um, so I, I slowly improved that over time and then. I 
you know, used to have those really long under the bed boxes that you would put like um, tissue wrapping paper in for Christmas. Yeah. But those are awkward. Like those are, those, I don't even know how wide that, they're probably like four foot wide or whatever. They're four or feet three wide, and a half yeah. Foot, yeah, so they're awkward. Like they don't go on a dolly easily because they're so damn wide. And then when you're picking them up, it's like super awkward and wide. So um, I've kind of transitioned to smaller ones that are about half that width, and I just have more of them. So each one holds like 15 mugs. What do you put between the mugs? I have cardboard. I made cardboard um, dividers out of old Amazon boxes that I got. So oh, that's good. Or or a thicker a thicker box that I got from something else like a refrigerator dishwasher or something like that that's a little thicker um yeah so you you improve that over time so it's less you kind of realize like okay this is too heavy so i'm going to scale it down like they don't take up any more space and they're smaller so they can they're a little more agile and mobile throughout the car when i'm loading the vehicle so they can fit in different areas Um, yeah so i'm gonna say my evolution of of packing because i'm not as organized as him and I also, <laughs> <laughs> well, this might, you know, it helps. Like, uh, I started, I remember I started, I wrapped everything and I, I did put them in big Rubbermaid totes, but I like wrapped everything in paper and blah, blah, blah. That lasted one show, a single show. I decided after that, that it was worth my time if something broke. <laughs> I was like, I am not going to be the last person <laughs> to pack up. And it is worth my time. If one mug breaks, I'm okay with that because it took me an hour less to pack. So then I went to, which I still recommend, is I went to doing Rubbermaids and I, I placed them all in the bin and try to keep them. All of my mugs are about the same height, so keep them about the same height. And then I put a cardboard piece down and then I put more mugs up in that and then I put another cardboard piece and then more mugs. So those right. were good, but they weren't great. The best system that I've had, I think, thus far is the pepper boxes from Costco. And you can you can still put pepper. The pepper boxes from Costco. There's very specific vegetable boxes from Costco. They are the right height for a four inch mug. And they stack on top and they lock in, into each other. So you can put all your pieces in there. If you really wanted to get corrugated cardboard, you could. And just like kind of weave it in and out of your mugs. And right. then, so corrugated cardboard is actually really nice for that. And then you can just stack them on top of each other and put them into the van. And they're compressed down. And they're super sturdy. Now, if you do this route, they're kind of like wait, apple what? boxes too. What texture are they made of? Are they cardboard or are they plastic? They're cardboard. They're cardboard, but they're high quality cardboard. And if you do this route, you have to uh, go around them a couple times with clear tape, so the cardboard stays together. But I've gone through three full seasons with the same cardboard boxes, and they are magnificent. Nice. That's awesome. They're great. Yeah. So those Given are the best that you ones. You have. Yeah, given that you have it fits your vehicle specifications, kinda, and um, you know you're not putting a ton of other stuff on top that could like push down and smash or whatever. Well, um, I'll stack them. It depends on the shape of your it, your mugs yeah. are mostly kind of bulbous shape, right? So they're kind of wider in the middle, and the mm-hmm. the tops are not clanking together. 
Exactly. So that might so be different for like me. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely depends on your mugs, but and I stack them like seven high without an issue. They're made to be pretty durable. Now I use bread cart, bread trays that like you know like the Franz Bakery or the bakery trays that are plastic right. and those stack on top of each other. They're okay, but they're a little big, so they get kind of heavy. And you can buy those for like ten bucks a piece. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so definitely figure out what works for you. Um, efficiencies in your packing and your vehicle load up is definitely important so that you can get to the show and get in and out of there and build some some you know consistencies with your um, loading unloading because it takes a long time and a lot of work to do that. So fewer trips back and forth from the vehicle and you know. If yep. you can't fit a, a big dolly in the car, then you got to figure out another way to do it. You maybe you get a, a smaller, like foldable dolly that's doesn't carry as much, but it fits yeah. in your vehicle, so you can take some of that effort off you. Um, so Uline yeah, has really good folding carts, and so does Harbor Freight and Costco. I think have really good folding carts yeah. that fit into your vehicle well. Yeah. Um, so another big one in here is just the, the amount of equipment and things that you need for a booth. So we're talking, uh, tent, we're talking shelving, tables, weights, tablecloths, bags, packing material, business cards, cash box, tape, all the above, everything, tape, toolbox, all that kind of stuff. Snacks. Yeah. Bungee cords. <laughs> All that kind of stuff that you need. That adds up. Especially if you want it to look consistent. You know, you're not getting all your stuff secondhand or getting it from the Goodwill or whatever. I mean, that might work in the short term. And you might be able to cover some of that up with tablecloths to make them look a little nicer. But, I mean, that I, you're going to invest over time and, you know improve it over time because you're going to say, Oh, that looks like crap or I need to improve this or, you know, spice up your booth a little bit. So there's going to be things that you're going to get right out of the gate that you're going to improve over time for sure. Make sure you have a good tent. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, my tent. So my, my first show, I got one of those quest tents from Dick Sporting Goods, which is kind of the baseline tent that you could get. That's a 10 by 10 and it's got the angled legs. So that's like, not good if you're going to be doing this. Yeah. This is that's good for like backyard barbecuing and stuff, but when we're talking long days and stuff and shows and it's going to look more professional like with a white top tent or whatever that's yeah. going to look better. Um and the, honestly the angled legs you're losing some space there and the legs aren't as durable or like stand up the the one leg that I had on that angled one like broke. Because they're, they're, the, they're not the most durable. Yeah, a lot of shows won't even let you in if you don't have a like a high-quality tent. I know that Trimline is the show standard for like super huge shows. Those are the ones that are domed. They have the curved top, and they don't have crossbars as much. You, you put them together. They're not an easy-up per se, but you, you kind of snap them together, and they're... They're really strong. So those are like industry standard for shows, like hardcore shows. But 
getting like an ABC canopy or one from Costco, a business Costco. Those are pretty good. Usually they run from like two to three hundred dollars or you can go middle of the road, which is what I have. And I wouldn't recommend doing this until you know that you're going to keep on doing shows. My tents cost me $700 a piece. So they are... Damn. Stain- I know. They're stainless steel. Uh, they are super sturdy. I could hang off of them, and I'm not light. I could hang off of them if I wanted to. The reason that I got them was because I had hanging shelves in my booth for space saving and because they look better. So... I needed the support from the tents, and I have two of yeah. them. That's crazy. So, and that was it with a 20% discount. By the way, if you ever buy anything from EasyUp.com, make sure you look for their coupons because they almost always have a 20% off coupon for online. Don't buy from a third party. Buy from EasyUp directly. Their customer service is fantastic. Um, <laughs> that's my So yours is, an e- yours is an EasyUp brand. It's like a higher quality EasyUp brand. My tent is an EasyUp Eclipse. That's the the tent version. Nice. There's other ones that they have that they say are stronger. And, you know, they have these aluminum, low, they're very light tents. I've heard that those buckle a lot faster than the stainless steel does. So you have to kind of keep that in mind. But, you know, tents can run you a lot of money. And you kind of get what you pay for as far as tents yeah, go. Yeah, that's true. So and it, yeah. it, paying paying two hundred dollars for your, a tent. Uh, yes. That's how you. Yeah. That's how you got your orange and green tent, right? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, my because yours have orange and green legs. I was like, how did you get that? Seven hundred dollars my... get you some orange legs. <laughs> yeah, my tent frames at the show that I do. The canopy tops have to be white. But the tent frames can be whatever color. And so I asked the director, I was like, can I get neon orange and neon green legs? And she's like, I don't care. (laughs) And so I have one orange tent and one green tent. And I love them and they fit perfectly. But uh, yeah, no, it's really look into the tents if you're going to do this full time. Like I said, trim line is industry standard. That's what most people that are like hoity-toity... showgoers don't get anything but trim lines i my my tent's been through 40 mile an hour winds without an issue so but i i'm i don't live in hurricane areas and i don't it totally depends on where you're at so if i mean if you don't get a lot of i mean the more shows you do the more weather you're gonna see and the more you're gonna be holding your tent down if you don't have good weights um so wait i feel bad talking about my tent now I, don't feel I, bad. No, so my, you have a normal no, tent. My, it's totally fine. No, no, mine's a white. So mine's like a middle of the road tent, like she's saying. Um, I had the Quest first, and then I got one off of Amazon that's a pro source. I got it on Those sale for like a hundred for like a hundred and ten dollars. It's yeah, a ten by ten, and it and it's got the thing in the middle that pushes the the roof up, which is nice. So mine when you expand that. it, it actually pushes the roof up roof up like two foot. Yeah, mine has that too. I, I'm i not saying that you should get a $700 tent. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that no. like, I <laughs> I do the same show every weekend for from May to October. So For three in, days as well. So For three to four days, and I'm invested in this show. So I needed a tent that was going to last me 10 years. And that tent's going to last me 10 years. 
And I've seen, and mo- a lot of the vendors out there have the tents just like you. I just needed a yeah. support. I just needed a tent that was going to support my shelving system. And right, so okay. It was specifically for engineering purposes. So I'm just saying right. that was, there's like a ton of different levels that you can buy. Exactly. Yeah. And and you can grow over time. I mean, you don't have to wait for the thing to break before you decide I want to get a better tent or something like that. But totally. we definitely would recommend out of the gate, get something with a white top because it's going to make your stuff inside look a lot brighter. It's not going to cast bad shadows and darkness under the tent. I think white top is definitely a way to go for sure. You should at um, least be paying $100 for your tent. <laughs> you should at least be paying $100. Yes. Yeah, I it, and think about the footprint it's going to make inside your vehicle too. How big of a space do yep. you have to work with? Because um, mine fits nicely and it's in a one of those long bags. So, um, okay, so tent weights. Becca mentioned weights. Have good weights. Don't have big gallon jugs of water that are at each foot because that's not enough. Fifty um, pounds. People, yeah, people will dispute how much you need. It again depends on your weather issues, but Becca says fifty pounds. I have, I have the cement filled PVC four inch PVC pipe that's probably two and a half foot long or something like that with eye bolts in the end that I bungee to the top of my frame, um, frame and you know attached to the legs. So those probably are about thirty five or forty maybe per leg. Yeah, so. I say thirty five to fifty pounds. Uh. Also, the reason that you need weights is not for you. Remember that. <laughs> the reason that you need weights on your tent is so that your tent doesn't fly into somebody else's tent. Because if there is a bad storm, you're going to be... You're, you want your tent to implode on itself instead of moving into all the other tents around you. I know that seems contradictory, but if you... You really just don't want to hurt the tents around you because their stuff could be super valuable and you have to pay out for that. And that goes right. into insurance. Yeah. So a lot of shows will require that. I, a lot of the shows that I do don't require it because a Me lot either. of the, I do like a lot of indie markets and stuff like that. Um, there is one later this year that's a coffee festival that's a nicer event that requires it. So I had to get some ACT insurance you could just look up AC. I want to say it's actinsurance.com. Um, it's cheap. For like artists and short term kind of insurance that you need, liability and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's something you should look up that you got to handle insurance. If they ask for it, don't try to like get around it and not get it. Um, again, with the, the kind of related to insurance is you got to get your sales tax information figured out. So you have to need like vendor's license numbers and. You know, stuff like that that you need to take care of beforehand. Like my each of my state, each of our states in Ohio and Kentucky require a vendor's license ID or whatever to be able to sell because they want you to, you know, you're responsible for the sales tax. They want to make sure you have a sales ID so that you can report the taxes appropriately. So you have to handle that yourself. Um, I don't know. what it, What is it like in Washington? Do you have anything... I'm sure you have to have some kind of a sales ID. I think we have to have a we have to have a business license. We all have. Yeah, I think we just have to have a business license. I know for sure that your state and my state are very different. 
in the way that yeah. we conduct small yeah. businesses. Each state, stuff, each state's so. different with their the way they handle you know how you're going to handle sales tax and stuff like that. Um, so another thing for cons, um, it kind of goes into it the long hours that you it takes besides the physical demand demand for doing all the stuff you have long hours that you're doing this thing away from you know other obligations on weekends normally um you know away from making more product or away from your family or away from your home where you're traveling or stuff like that so um anything else you have about the long hours i mean i'm sure it's pretty grueling doing those long hours for you every day three days a weekend right I feel like um, they're shorter hours than my regular workday, but the it is. I think that it is physically tolling or mentally tolling on me because I talk. You talk to so many people during the day that at the end of the day, you're like, I really have no need to talk to anyone. Um, but what I enjoy is that it's for me. Our shows ends at, end at six, and it's three days, so I don't have to pack up at the end of the day. So I can just go That's home. Great. But if you have a, yeah, if you have a one day show that you have to pack up at the end of the day, it takes a lot. You know, you have to be there. You have to set up, especially if you're not a morning person. And then like Ryan, we're both not morning a lot people. Of, a lot of my shows are one day shows though. Yeah. And I kind of enjoy to... it though. I enjoy getting up early for a show because I know that like, I know what I'm in for. They and I know I'm prepared. I prepared the day before and I'm like, I got to be on. Like, I turn on some music on, I turn a consistent music on the way to every show to kind of get me in the mood or whatever. Do you want to guess what the music, you probably don't even know what music I listen to. Do you want to guess what I put on? <laughs> I, no, I don't want to guess because I know I'll get it wrong. What do you listen to? <laughs> <laughs> so, it sounds funny. I listen to Kid Cudi, which is like okay. hip hop um, yeah. music. He's got kind of like, kind of higher music and just kind of like some mellow music and stuff like that so i listen to that usually to get me that's kind of my show music my hype up music um and yeah so even if you're not a morning person i mean you got you kind of got to do what you got to do so you know plan ahead so that you're you have ample time to get set up don't feel like oh i need that extra sleep i can't process because it you know you'd be you know in worse shape if you were still setting up um, and you're halfway done at showtime. Treat it like the first. <laughs> you're not going to look very professional every time. Yeah. Even I... if you. Oh man, I had I had an issue at a show earlier this year where it was my first time going to this one show. I kind of knew generally what part of town it was, but I got messed up because Google Maps didn't tell me to get off at this one exit, and I got backtracked and I went like ten miles out of the way because I went so far and then I had to backtrack. So it set me off like twenty minutes. So stuff like that can happen on your way to the show. Totally. And you got to like kind of just why, roll with it. Get there early. Yeah, that's like I that's the stress of going to new shows every single time. That's what really got me. I it's it's super stressful. And I was like super on point for the first 3 shows maybe that I ever did. And then I started becoming later and later and later because I stopped caring as much. And which is bad, but <laughs> so don't do that. I'm just saying, don't do that. Like, I I'm totally one of those people that I'll read the instructions about the show the day before and then realize that I could have set up on that day. And, <laughs> and I'm like, dang it, that's definitely happened. Dang. 
And yeah, but each I'm, each one's different for sure. Yeah, I get up. I have a little bit of a different situation. So I get up at four thirty to get to my show. To get to Leavenworth at seven. So I'm not driving that whole time, but I usually have to unload a kiln and I load it all into my car and then I drive to Leavenworth and I've done the drive so many times that I have to take caffeine pills and listen to podcasts so that I can stay awake. So I don't really amp myself up. Sometimes I do listen to Shania Twain though. (laughs) You're not amping yourself up for a 75 mile drive. (laughs) You might amp yourself up for like a 20 minute drive, but not not that far. I like to get myself up to stay awake. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason Becca can't go, you might say, oh, why doesn't she go the night before? Because it costs money to go the night before. And that's time away from her making or her getting her orders done and ready for taking and packing for the show. Like you're talking about a whole extra day. Uh Yeah. So she teaches classes the night before. So, um, yeah, that's something to take, take into consideration. Um, we didn't really talk about the expenses, but expenses is a reality too. There's expenses of oh physically driving to the show. Um, you have to pay for your booth up front normally. I don't really know too many shows that they collect it kind of after. Becca's, they take $25 for her booth and every weekend and then they take 20%. So that's that's not usually a typical way that you would do outdoor shows and stuff. Um, no, indoor shows though. There's a ton of Christmas indoor shows that are central cashier that i've seen that are i mean if yeah. they're doing a good most of the good markets that i've seen that are indoor christmas markets are central cashier so and those are really great because then you can just set up your stuff and leave yeah i love and it and just come back and i've done one like that it. i've done one so like that and they um yeah i i it was very similar to your situation where i paid 25 dollars for the table or shelving or whatever at queen city clay and then they had a central cashier and they're getting 20 percent. i mean they're basically i'm happy that they that 20 percent is going to them for them handling the point of sale the packing all that stuff like i'm fine with that and it, i'm yeah. a little hands off i can walk around talk to the other makers that are there i can man my totally. booth and talk to customers when they're nearby um it, it's just a different type of show maybe and also it's 20 percent. like if you sell nothing or you sell like very little stuff you're in it for $25 plus the 20% like it's not a big that's a nice Low I risk. like the way that breaks down yeah Low risk but if you sell $6,000 you're paying you know almost $600 no 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 $1,200 and yeah so so that goes with it too um but yeah most of them you pay for your booth space up front which could be a $10 booth it could be a $50 booth for a day it could be a $300 booth or a $600 booth like they range based on what type of show it is um how reputable it is i guess you know whether it's a church show like becca talked about before but i mean those are good for like profits i mean i love church shows seem yeah (laughs) it might seem like a con but i mean if you're paying ten dollars for a booth and you sell like three hundred dollars worth of stuff that's a huge profit or seven hundred dollars worth of stuff. Like you're reaching this market that maybe you wouldn't have reached before. A lot of those I'll stray away from because they don't market it very well, and I feel like a lot of them sell little hobbyist kind of stuff, like like 
people that knit stuff for fun or little trinkets or keychains or yeah or they're reselling stuff that they buy a big quantity of and they're just reselling it so it's kind of up to your discretion kind of i will say this for you to do those shows or not i will say this if you go to a church and that church is having a show you should definitely do it because if anybody in that (laughs) church knows you and they see you at that show, they're going to buy something from you. The first time I did a show at my church, it was all these old, like, these pots. It was, like, right after my second sale that I did that I made a bunch of money at. And it was, like, all these mismatched random pots. And I think I made $1,300 for a $50 booth. Like, killed oh my gosh. it. Killed it. And, Man, but I need to do a church show. <laughs> Well, Ryan, you need to go to church first. So I don't go to church, to... so I'm not a church goer and all that stuff. So <laughs> if they don't know me, I'm just some Joe Schmo. I mean, I, that's you're, what am- I'm you're among people that are, I don't know. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If so, you go to church, if you're a person that goes to church and you do and you and your church has a show, you better freaking do it because. Yeah, that's a good point. There is no they know loss you. in that. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfection. Um, And this kind of ties in with one of the last ones here that you're going to get weird or strange or rude comments from people. So if they don't know your work or they don't know what you're doing, I mean, some of those people at those church shows may not know like the art and stuff side of it or the craft part of it. So they're like, do you have a, a berry bowl or a bacon cooker thing or whatever they're asking for certain things or they're just like do you have this in bright red or something like that you're going to get those kind of comments from people you just got to kind of roll with it and patience do you make all this (laughs) you're going to get comments like that a lot so it's going to drain you a little bit and you're going to hear the same ones over and over but just realize that all these people treat them as if they have no idea what this thing is they don't know anything about pottery or painting or whatever or photography or you know they don't know anything about it so be kind to them that you know they're willing to come into your booth and talk to you yeah so oh and i have a little plug too um stick to your prices if you're gonna do a show stick to your prices because for one discounts don't pay the bills and two people will either respect you or they'll walk away but you'd be surprised how many people respect the fact that you're confident in your prices and your product. I had some lady come up to me once and she'd be like, she had a sponge holder and she goes, you know, this is really great. I just don't think it's worth $15. I said, you know what? I understand it's worth $15 to me because I put a lot more effort into it than you probably think I do. And she goes, well, would you, uh, would you take less money for it? And I go, no. I won't. And she picked one up and she goes, "Okay, well, I guess I'll I I guess I'll I'll get one." And I go, and then she brings it up again <laughs> and she goes, "Are you sure That's you won't great. Are you sure you won't like if I get two, will you give me a discount?" I go, "Nope, there's no discounts on it." And I <laughs> I shit you not, she goes, "Good for you. Good for you for sticking to your guns." And she bought the sponge holder. And Love it. That, that was Love the it. most glorious sale I've ever had. 
but that'll stick give to your... you the most confidence man yeah stick to your guns and be confident in your work because if you're wishy-washy in your prices people see that and yeah. i've had somebody walk away because i told them that i wouldn't give one an item to them for free you know it becomes yeah. really you... awkward for them you have enough discounts in your stuff. You have a second spin. You have things that you I buy do. three for $10 or whatever. Like, you, your prices are reasonable. And honestly, they're probably yeah. too low, in my opinion. But they you have reasons are. behind why you price them that way. And, um, you know, you've, you've built discounts into your pricing by building more quantity of certain items and stuff like that. So it's not like you're completely saying every single piece is ver- worth the same value. Right. On this day versus it, this day. Yeah. But you have, you know, there's a reason why you price it that way. It's not just you just pulled a number out of your ass and you're hoping that people are going to pay for it. So, yeah. And well, you know, and people don't, sometimes they don't really realize that where they're going to is not a swap meet. You know, sometimes they don't realize that they're dealing with like actual art or crafts, you know, products, crafty products and stuff. Um, exactly. And so you just got to give them a little grace, but you have to be firm. Don't right. back down. And you, you, the show you go to may differ on that. Like, it may give them more yeah. feeling like they can negotiate. Like, the show that I was at this past weekend, the guy behind me was selling um, thrift store kind of upselling or uh, flip stuff. So he was buying stuff yeah. at thrift stores and curating a selection of sports memorabilia stuff. And he kept saying... As you notice, there's no prices on anything. Everything's negotiable. Let me know and we'll figure something out. We'll give you a good deal. We're trying to not take as much stuff home. So that might be at your sh- at a show that you go to and maybe that works for you. Maybe not. I would say, yeah, if you're hand making stuff, definitely pick prices and stick to them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, we can probably, probably wrap up for the day. Uh, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And hope you got some good nuggets out of this. We're looking forward to doing more of these for ways you can sell your pots because there's so, or sell your work in general. There's so many different ways to do this and pros and cons for all of it. So cool. Yeah, that was fun. Sweet. All right. Welcome to Five Lines Pottery, where everything is microwave and dishwasher safe. Pottery is fun to hold, but if you break it, it's sold. For the convenience and safety of others, please keep your hands and feet in the booth at all times. And remember, the longer you stay, the more you pay. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can reach Ryan at, at rdceramics on Instagram and me at Five Lines Pottery Studio on Instagram. We look forward to continuing this podcast and we are having so much fun. I hope you continue to listen and remember to share it with your friends.